0: Welcome each one in the Savior's name to our service tonight, Uh, trusting the Lord will bless us as we uh, gather together and as we worship Him. And we're turning in our hymnals to 586, 586, and I was looking at this hymn, I'm not sure if I know this, and I was looking at uh, what happened, and I think... Uh, I meant to pick 585, and I chose 5. Or I wrote down 586, and 586 seems to be on my messages. It's on the bulletin, and so uh, we'll sing. Uh, we'll sing 586. We'll we'll try it, and if you know it, uh, sing it out. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully we will know it, and uh, we'll see how uh, that goes. But 586, and we'll stand as we sing, please. Seated, and I thought I thought that went okay. And was my plan this evening to learn a new hymn? If we're going to sing something new, and we might do that in the prayer meeting. Uh, but uh, we had uh, a good uh, pianist to help us out, and I think as we sang, uh, the tune was picked up. And I think we'll pick that one again. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the words, and uh, so. Uh, We uh, can come back to that on another occasion. We're going to turn in the Word of God to the epistle of Jude. uh, The epistle of Jude. And we'll read the first four verses. Jude here is dealing with those who seek to cause division within the church regarding a uh, doctrine and error and heresy. And he's encouraging the people of God, the church of Christ, to contend for the faith. And as we remember the Protestant Reformation uh, today, as it is the Lord's Day closest to uh, the 31st of October, uh, this is a good passage for us to consider and to think upon. Uh, Jude And we'll read from verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you That ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his precious and infallible truth uh, tonight. And as we come to pray, uh, let us remember the Reverend uh, Reggie Cranston, the minister of our Port Hope Congregation in Ontario. Our brother uh, hasn't been well uh, the last uh, while, and he uh, has uh, continued on preaching, but uh, today, this weekend, marks his retirement from the ministry he spent 30 years in the port hope congregation coming across originally from northern ireland and this weekend and their 30th anniversary services marks his retirement from the full-time gospel ministry so let us pray for our brother and let us remember the congregation as well in port hope let us pray our eternal god and our father in heaven Uh, We rejoice we can come to thee this evening. We thank thee we can look to Christ. And that as thy people we look to thee for salvation. We look to thee for deliverance from our sins. Uh, We look to thee for thy working and thy grace within our lives. And Father we thank thee that we can remind ourselves of, of what our duty is as individuals and as thy church. To contend for the faith. And we thank Thee that even today uh, we can look back uh, to those who in days gone by contended for the faith once delivered unto the saints. And we thank Thee, O God, for uh, those who stood firm, those who did not compromise, uh, those who held high uh, the banner of the cross of Christ, those who preached the gospel in season, and out of season. And Father, we thank Thee tonight that we can focus upon uh, what happened 500 years ago. We can reflect upon those great events uh, wherein the gospel of Christ was brought again to pulpits across Europe. We thank Thee for the impact of Thy gospel, for what Thou didst do, because we, uh, even as a continent, uh, can trace our history back to what happened in those days and the spread of the gospel and from that continent of Europe to the continent that we live on today. And we thank Thee, Father, for the history and the heritage that we have in the gospel. And we pray that in this generation that we would not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, and that those old reformers would encourage us by their lives to continue to contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Father, we pray that as we consider something of the Reformation again this evening, that thou would drive home these truths to our hearts, that we would be encouraged and challenged to live for thee, to serve thee, and to hold fast that faith that thou hast declared in thy word. And Father, tonight we thank thee for our brother, the Reverend Cranston. And we thank thee that over these 30 years here in Canada he has contended for the faith once delivered unto the saints. And we do pray that uh, thou would be with him in the days of retirement, that he would know thy blessing, his dear wife as well. And we pray, Father, that uh, thou would continue to bless his ministry and to bless those opportunities he has to preach. And to bless the word of God that has been sown over these years. We do remember the Port Hope Congregation. We pray for thy hand to be upon it for good. That thou would be with that flock and encourage them. And we pray that in future days that thou would lead and guide them according to thy will. Father, we pray for our sister congregations across Canada. And we pray that thou would bless. We think of the vacant churches in our our presbytery. We think of the work in Phoenix and in Calgary, and we pray, Father, for men of God to be raised up, to hold high the banner of the cross, to stand firm, to contend, to earnestly contend for the faith. And Father, we pray that Thou would bless us here this evening. We beseech Thee, Thou would meet our needs, that we would be challenged by Thee to forsake sin. To forsake the treating lightly of thy word, if that be the case within our lives and within our hearts, that we take the word of God seriously, that we would desire it and love it and treasure it and put it first above all else. Father, we realize how many scorn thy word today, how many mock it, how many profess to follow thee, but uh, thy word is not loved as it ought to be loved. And we pray tonight as we consider those who loved thy word and treasured thy word and stood for thy word, that we would learn from that example that thy spirit would press upon our hearts the necessity and not only of knowing thee and knowing thy salvation, but of loving thy word and desiring the truth and holding fast eh, to the truth of God. Father, we pray that we as a congregation By thy grace, we continue to hold fast to the truth of God and that in this generation and in uh, this area that as the gospel is preached, thou would bless it. Bless those who've gathered for worship this evening. We pray thou would meet us at the point of our need tonight and bless us. We do remember those listening online. Father, we remember uh, those who cannot be here this evening. We pray that thou would again meet their needs and bless and encourage their hearts May we know a blessed time. We uh, do think as well, Father, of the uh, new, uh, the, the new endeavour that has been planned for Saturday, uh, the breakfast amongst the ladies of the congregation. Uh, bless that time, we pray. Uh, may it be a blessed time, time used by Thee uh, to uh, build a bond and to build friendships and uh, to bring each one closer uh, to Thee. Uh, Father, bless us, we pray. Meet our needs this evening. And glorify Thy name, we ask for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Going to turn again in our hymnals to hymn five hundred and eighty-one. Five hundred and eighty-one, and I wrote down the right hymn this time. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high His royal banner. It must not suffer loss 581 we'll stand as we sing please seated. We're turning in the Word of God to the epistle of Paul to the Romans, Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, and we're going to make a change to the reading that we have in the bulletin. We'll read the first 17 verses together instead of uh, the other 16 or 17 verses at the end of the chapter. Uh, we'll read the first 17 verses And so we'll commence at verse 1. Romans chapter 1, the verse 1, and the Word of God says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, Which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God. Called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my Spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. "'Making request, if by any means now at length "'I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God "'to come unto you, for I long to see you, "'that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift "'to the end ye may be established. "'That is, that I may be comforted together with you "'by the mutual faith both of you and me.'" Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, That oftentimes I purpose to come unto you, but was led hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to every one that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. And ending there, verse 17, uh, trusting the Lord would bless the reading of his word for his name seek tonight amen amen we do extend a word of welcome to each one gathered in to those watching online and those visiting with us it's good to see you and we trust that you'll be blessed as we meet around the word of God this evening to remember that immediately after the service tonight uh, we have our time of food and fellowship downstairs and so don't be uh, rushing away home uh, but do come down and have uh, some food and fellowship uh, with us and everyone is welcome and invited to stay behind. On Wednesday, uh, on Tuesday, the 31st of October at 4 p.m., Toronto Free Presbyterian Church are having their online a women Bible Study, it recommences uh, with Mrs. Jill Saunders, and in the bulletin, there's the email address for our Toronto Church, or you can speak to our sister Susan uh, to receive the login details for that Zoom meeting. On Wednesday, we have our prayer meeting and Bible study, 7.30 p.m., and uh, do come along. It's also on Zoom, and uh, I send the link out around 9 a.m. on Wednesday morning, and so if you'd like to be added to that list, you're not on it, uh, do let me know. On Saturday, the 4th of November, uh, we have uh, a new meeting that has been arranged for the ladies of our congregation, a women's fellowship breakfast, and uh, we do encourage the ladies to come along at 9am. There'll be a short time of uh, devotion. I'll be along just for the first one uh, to welcome you and to have a short devotion, and then uh, I'll disappear and leave you to it. And you can enjoy fellowship one with another, uh, with the ladies of the congregation, and there'll be opportunity to make breakfast and to have breakfast uh, together. Uh, so do bring some food to share. If you need any uh, further details regarding food, etc., do uh, speak uh, to my wife. We do encourage the ladies of the congregation to come along and uh, to have uh, this time uh, together. And then at 7:30 p.m. Uh, the men are meeting for their monthly prayer meeting, and that will be on Zoom as well. So we do encourage the menfolk of the congregation to come along and to join with us to pray. Next Lord's Day then, the services are at the usual times, as you can see in the bulletin, the Adult Sunday School at 9.30 a.m., and the morning worship at 10.30, the evening worship at 6 p.m. Then we have our communion after the morning service at 10 a.m. We'll be meeting around the table of the Lord. And then at 1.45 p.m. we have our monthly service at Langley Lodge Curhome. And do pray for that as the gospel of Christ goes forth. The current magazine is available, the magazine of our denomination. It's on the table in the hall. And so if you would like a copy, uh, then take a copy, take a few copies to pass on to friends and family. Uh, but do remember that it is there. And these are all the announcements, the subject to the will of God. And we're going to turn in our notes to the hymn 214. Uh, 214, Standing on the Promises of Christ... My King, through eternal ages, let his praises ring. We'll remain seated while tithes and offerings are received. Please, 214, remaining seated.
1: Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege we have to worship our Savior tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the tithes and the offerings. I pray, Father, that it will be used for your kingdom's sake and for your glory's sake. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: i going to stand and we'll stand for verse 5, final verse. Standing on the promises, I cannot feel standing. And to sing please. seated. And we're turning in the Word of God uh, this evening to Proverbs chapter 23. Uh, Proverbs chapter 23. And there's just one verse of Scripture. There is a sermon text. The bulletin says there's no sermon text, but there is a sermon text. And the It's found in Proverbs chapter 23, the verse 23. And it simply says there, by the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. By the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Amen. And let us unite together in prayer. Let us uh, seek the Lord. Our eternal God and Father in heaven, we thank Thee that we can stand upon the promises of Christ our King. We thank Thee we can rest upon the promises of Thy truth. And as we gather here this evening under the sound of Thy word afresh, we pray, Father, Thou would bless us, that Thou would speak to us, that Thou would drive home to our minds and our souls the importance of these truths that we have read about this evening. That we have sang about, and that we will hear more about in a moment. And, Father, we thank Thee for the gospel of Christ and for the freedom we have to proclaim it and to stand for it and to glorify Thy name. Father, bless us, we pray. Meet our needs. Glorify Thy name in the salvation of souls that are lost and in the sanctification of Thy people, we pray. For Christ's sake, amen, amen. The Scottish theologian and historian William Cunningham said, the Reformation from Popery in the 16th century was the greatest event or series of events that has occurred since the close of the canon of Scripture. The greatest event that has taken place in this world since scripture was closed and this is a fact that we must always keep in our minds and in our hearts because God's gracious and powerful workings in the protestant reformation is fundamental to our existence here today as reformed believers And there is no doubt that the reformation is important and vital history And it is important for the Church of Christ to often consider her own history. And we are considering or have started a series in the adult Bible class today regarding history and the history of the Christian church. And history, sadly, can often be a dry subject associated with lists of dates and events rather than having any contemporary relevance. But ultimately, all history does have a relevance today Uh, Because history shapes our present, as we consider this morning, and it will shape our future. And of course, I remember being taught at a very young age in school, uh, the teacher broke down the word history very simply, and I'm not sure this is what the word history actually means, uh, but they took the word history and broke it down into his story, his story. And what is history really? It is God's story, the account of how God has worked in the secular world, of course, and in this world, but also in the church. It is his story of how he has moved and how his plan and purpose has unfolded through time. And this is what we need to understand then from a foundational perspective. The history of the Protestant Reformation is important history, and it is relevant to you and I today And you may think well I'm young, I'm a child, I'm a teenager, I'm old, I've lived here in Canada for a long long time or forever and these things happened 500 years ago, 500 years ago. We can't even trace our family tree back that far perhaps. And it happened not in Canada, not in Alberta, not in Ontario, not in Ottawa. It happened in Germany, in a place far removed from where we are today. And then the other events that took place in the British Isles, in Switzerland, etc. How is that relevant to us today? But the Church of Christ can trace itself back. The Protestant Church, the Reformed Church, can trace itself back to what happened in those days. When Martin Luther nailed his thesis, when John Calvin preached, in Geneva, when John Knox stood for gospel truth there in Scotland, we can trace back. This is a Presbyterian church and we can trace ourselves back to John Calvin and to John Knox and also to Martin Luther as well. And this history is important because the church should always be reforming in the same sense that as believers we should always be sanctified We don't reach that level where we are perfect, where we have reached absolute perfection. And that sanctifying work never ends. It is never finished here on earth. And the work of reforming Christ's church is not a work that has an end. It must continue. And we look at the needs of the church today and there's a great need for the purity of the church. And a great need for preaching the true gospel of Christ. And taking a stand against a religion and the idea of faith that is far removed from gospel and Christ-centered Christianity. There is a need to always be reforming. To always be, as it were, examining ourselves and by God's grace standing for the truth of the gospel of Christ. It is relevant for us today because the Reformation marked a separation from corruption and from the heresy of the Roman Catholic Church, a church that developed and formed over the centuries as it moved away from biblical roots. But we look today and there are many churches that claim the same ties to the Reformation as we do, but they seek to break down those barriers. They ignore the Reformation and they pretend it didn't happen and they want to unite together with all sorts of believers regardless of their background and their beliefs but there's a need to reform and to stand apart from all of this and these thoughts bring us back to the state of religion in Europe in the 16th century the 31st of october 1517 is the date that Marks the commencement of the Protestant Reformation. If we were to pick a particular date, there were many crucial events that took place after and took place before that date and even a 100 years before that date. Uh, But that's the date that we generally use to see that this Reformation started and spread across Europe. And when we look at the corruption of the church in those days, uh, we see the claim that the Pope was the vicar of Christ on earth which is the foundation to the doctrines of papal authority and supremacy. There was a corruption of the doctrine of justification. The light of the gospel of Christ through justification and repentance had been hid. And one of the great questions that came out of the Reformation was this, what must I do to be saved? And of course the answer is given in Scripture, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Christ alone was the only and is the only way of salvation and the church had forsaken the true biblical answer to that particular question. There was much darkness, darkness in the church and darkness in souls. There was a selling of indulgences by a man called William Tetzel. If you uh, committed a sin, you could pay money and have an indulgence that would mean that you don't have to serve time in purgatory for that particular sin. And... Of course, he apparently uh, was beginning then to sell indulgences for future sins that you may commit, raising money uh, to build uh, property for the church in Rome. And there was much wickedness and sin amongst the clergy. Much sin. So there was a need of reformation. But let us jump forward to 1563. That was the year before John Calvin died. The Roman Catholic Church held a council at a place called Trent to address the Protestant Reformation in northern Italy. It was the 19th ecumenical council of the Roman Catholic Church. They did not examine their own doctrine. They did not question themselves. But they came to the conclusion that the proponents of Protestantism had committed what it defined as heresy. This council issued statements that reaffirmed the church's belief in the doctrines that had been challenged by the reformers. Tradition, justification, the mass, the veneration and praying to the saints. This council made the Latin Vulgate, the official Bible of the church. And that is interesting because the reformers sought to bring the Bible to the people in their own common language. That they would be able to read, the Englishman could read the Bible in English. Men died for that cause. But Rome's response was to keep it away from the people and only accessible to those who had a knowledge of Latin. So the objective of this council was to condemn the Reformed faith, to clarify Catholic truth, and to stand against the Reformation. And that reminds us today that the Catholic system is a system that we are not to associate ourselves with. There is no gospel, no hope of salvation because there is no justification preached through faith in Christ alone. And when we consider Martin Luther then, there are three thoughts that stem from his life that are relevant and practical to us today. And I want us to consider the subject, Luther Rediscovering Biblical Truth. Luther Rediscovering Biblical Truth. And there are three simple thoughts they are in the bulletin. Firstly, we must know biblical truth. We must know biblical truth. As believers, as the Church of Christ, we must know what we believe. We touched on this this morning. And when we think of Martin Luther, he was born in Germany in 1483. His father desired him to become a lawyer. He went to university around... 1501, and it was there that he had concerns about salvation and the assurance of salvation and he desired to learn theology. Four years later, he was struck by lightning and being terrified of death, he cried out to Saint Anna, help, help me, I will become a monk. And so he entered into the monastery at a place called Erford. For 10 years then up to 1520, he lectured on the Psalms the book of Hebrews, Romans, and Galatians. And as he studied these portions of the Bible, he came to see the doctrines of the Catholic Church in new ways. He became convinced the church was corrupt, corrupt in its practices, corrupt in its beliefs and in its teachings, and that they lost sight of several of the key and central truths of Christianity, most notably the doctrine of justification, If you turn back to Romans chapter 1 where we were a few minutes ago, we have the verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And Luther realized then that God's act of declaring a sinner righteous was attainable only through faith in Christ as the Messiah. He wrote... This one and Firm Rock, which we will call the doctrine of justification, is the chief article of the whole Christian doctrine, which comprehends the understanding of all godliness. And Luther was converted, and he came to know Christ as his Savior, resting solely upon him for salvation. He, became, he came to understand justification as entirely the work of God. And against the teaching of his day that the righteous acts of believers are performed in cooperation with God and for benefit and for merit with God. Luther wrote and preached and taught that Christians receive that righteousness from outside themselves. The just shall live by faith. The righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. He rediscovered Christ. He rediscovered his salvation. And that became the foundation of the Reformation as he stood and as he preached and as he taught, he taught the great doctrines of salvation as we see in the scriptures. He rediscovered this great message. He rediscovered this great message. But it was against the flow. That's an important thought. The church was teaching one thing and Martin Luther was teaching something else. I use this as an illustration this morning of our church believing one thing and me standing up and preaching another and all the trouble that might stem from me doing that. But Luther did that. Only the church believed that which was wrong and he believed that which was right. And so he stood against the flow, the flow of the nation, the flow of society, the flow of the church itself. And there's an important reminder for us, dear believer, that when we think of the truth of God, we must know it. And we must know it as Luther knew it and know it in our hearts and know Christ as our Savior as Luther knew Christ as our Savior, as his Savior. And that's against the flow of society. That can be against the flow of many churches that do not place emphasis upon sin and upon the judgment of God and upon need of salvation. That goes against what governments will believe and teach and practice. Believing on Christ goes against the flow of society. Well, believer, are you prepared for that? To believe something that this world will reject? And this world will scorn and to stand for it will come to a stand in a few moments. But he rediscovered the great gospel of Christ. And he said when the article of justification has fallen, everything has fallen. He said the only saving faith is that which casts itself on God for life or death. He believed in grace alone. It is by the grace of God that men were saved. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. He knew that when the Scriptures taught about the exclusive nature of Christ and His salvation, that salvation was only found in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. He penned these words. Although our sin be great, God's grace is greater to relieve us. His hand in helping nothing stays. The hurt, however grievous, the shepherd good alone is he who will at last set Israel free from all and every trespass. He knew the grace of God. He knew Christ alone and the sacrifice of Christ alone. And that is an important aspect of the gospel. He rediscovered this. He knew this. And tonight the question comes to you. Do you believe that? The Savior himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh unto the Father but by me. No church, no priest, no pope, no individual, not even a Protestant church is the way to heaven. It is Christ alone. I am the way, he said, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And tonight, do you believe that? Do you believe that same truth? And as you think of Luther believing that truth, do you rejoice that you too, you have found that truth that Luther found? You believe that truth that Luther believed. You stand for that truth that Luther stood for. Salvation is through the Lord Jesus Christ alone. The only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That is the great message that came out of the Reformation. Christ alone. Christ alone. And if you're not resting on Christ alone tonight, there is no salvation. There is no hope of redemption for you. It is Christ alone. Do you know him? Do you know him who was made sin for us? Do you know him who was wounded for our transgressions? Justification by faith alone. That was the great truth that Luther preached. And as Proverbs says, buy the truth and sell it not. That's the truth he bought and the truth he did not sell. Oh, they tried to persuade him and tried to threaten him, but he stood firm. We can move outside Luther and think of other individuals who preached the same truth. William Tyndale in England has sought to Translate the Word of God into Greek or King James Version of the Bible contains a lot of what would be William Tyndale's work in the New Testament. It was a foundational reference as they translated uh, the King James Version in 1611, looking back to William Tyndale's work. And William Tyndale lost his life simply because he wanted the Englishman to have a Bible in the English language. What a simple desire, a God given desire. And he lost his life because of that. Oh, he took seriously the knowledge that he received from the Lord regarding salvation. He took the gospel of Christ seriously. Oh, today that we would take it seriously. Young people, that you would take the gospel seriously. William Tyndale did. He took God's word seriously. So did Martin Luther. So did some of these other reformers. You may say, oh, these men. If you look at some of those old pictures they have, they're gray. Or they maybe don't have much hair to be gray. And they're old and they're wrinkled. And they lived so long ago. Old men. Old men take a stand for God. Old men stand firm on the truth of the gospel. This young man, Patrick Hamilton, in his 20s, went to Scotland, had heard and been influenced through Martin Luther, went to Scotland, to the east of Scotland, and there he preached the gospel of Christ in a place called St. Andrews, and they didn't like it. And what happened? This young man, in his 20s, not even close to being 30 years of age, was taken and tied to a stake. That was set on fire. And that's how he entered the kingdom of heaven. And he was not the only one. Not the only one. Over the years, many of those who were young died for the gospel of Christ. Not just the old, but the young stood firm. And the challenge then eh, to us and to the young generation and the older generation and us all is do we know this truth? Do we believe this truth do we desire others to know this truth are we prepared to take it seriously because there's a great example in church history that men and women did take it seriously do you love the truth does this truth mean more to you than anything else then buy it and sell it not Patrick Hamilton didn't sell it there was another man he was quite young too Those of you who were young in your teens mightn't agree he was in his early 30s, but he was young. He came before John Knox and after Patrick Hamilton, George Wishart, and again, same thing happened to him. He lost his life, standing firm upon the Word. But notice here, secondly, that we must not only know the Word, we must not only know biblical truth, but we must declare biblical truth. We must declare biblical truth. I want you to turn to 2 Timothy 4 and the verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and the verse 2. The apostle Paul is teaching Timothy and he moves here and teaches him about preaching and charges him before God and the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 1 and in verse 2 he says, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. And Timothy is told, this is how you're to conduct your ministry. You're to be instant in season. You're to be present in season and out of season. You're to be dependable. You're to be consistent when it comes to the presentation of the gospel of christ that is what the apostle is saying here have a consistent ministry a constant ministry bathed in the truth of god and verse one tells us this is a charge he's charged before god to do this there's a great responsibility here what is this to do with martin luther he was a preacher He was a reformer. He was a man of God who had the responsibility and the duty to declare the truth of God that he had believed. He knew the truth and had a responsibility toward the truth. And dear believer, you and I who know the truth, we have a responsibility toward the truth of God, to support the work of God, to pray for the work of God, to be engaged in that work ourselves to serve the Lord, to witness for him. There is a work for us to do. And in the text that we have here, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, Martin Luther was like that. He preached the word in season and out of season. He engaged the people of Europe by preaching the truth of the gospel, but also in writing, in writing. In 1529, he wrote a small catechism for the training of children. It reviews the Lord's Prayer, the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, similar to things that we said this morning. It is a statement of what Lutherans believe, and of course we do not agree with Martin Luther in everything, yet he was God's instrument in this particular case in reforming the church. He wrote many books as well. He preached many sermons. He desired to declare the truth of God. And that ought to be our desire. We live in a world that is in a need of reformation. Let us declare the truth. Let us never be ashamed of the truth. Let us do what we can using the means at our disposal to spread the truth. Luther did that. He used the printing press, the greatest high tech device of his day and generation. The simple printing press, not a digital printer but one where you would have to place the type and uh, have that work to do and then to press it against the page. wasn't as easy as going on to your iPad and selecting print and then grabbing it when it comes out of the printer. The hardest thing in that printer is maybe changing the ink and there's a little screen that tells you how to do that, so it's very easy. This was more difficult, not so high-tech, but in... That day, 500 years ago, it was the newest technology. And Luther used that. And he used the means at at his disposal. Spurgeon did the same. When Spurgeon went to London, to the Metropolitan Tabernacle on New Park Street, as it was called, he was approached by some men within his congregation who were printers. The name of the company was Passmore and Alabaster. And they desired to take his sermon And every week, print it. And so they did that. Those sermons ended up in Australia in all aspects of the British Empire. The Penny Pulpit, it was called. People bought the Sermon of Spurgeon and read it and read it to their family. It was printed in large volumes. And when Spurgeon died in 1892, they still kept printing his sermons. There was so much material It only stopped because of paper shortages during the the First World War around 1917. Sixty-three volumes of sermons produced in that means that have all been reprinted and will be reprinted in the next number of years as well. Great wealth of material using printing, printing, and so Luther used. This technology of his day, the printing press, was blessed by God over the years and over the generations and it aided the spread of the Reformation as Luther declared the Word of God. And so he treasured it. and He desired to preach it and to see souls like he was released from the bondage of that system that was blinding them that, he, that they would be saved. He had a desire for his countrymen and for Europe. But are we like that? Does that move us to pray that the word of God would be declared? That as we live, we would declare the word of God. That we would support the preaching of the word of God. That we would support the ministry that seeks to spread God's word to those that need it. To act. To act. To do what we can and what God encourages us and challenges us to do for the spread of his word that's what luther did he knew the truth and he was not going to just buy the truth and sell it or buy the truth and keep it hidden he spread it he spread it we have a great message dear believer great message of salvation a great message of hope for this world we can learn from the reformation and from luther and others that message is not to be hid it's to be preached. It's to be declared to this world. And then thirdly, I want you to see that we must stand for biblical truth. We must stand for biblical truth. If we move back to the book of Jude, we see that direction is given to earnestly contend for the faith. And Luther set the tone for the Reformation at the Diet of Vernes in April 1521. and uh, We mentioned Uh, that uh, this morning, the adult Sunday school, I believe, and he was encouraged and directed to recant, to say that he had no right to call into question the most holy orthodox faith, the faith that was instituted by Christ, who was the perfect lawgiver to use the words of those who were encouraging him to recant. And he was asked... Do you or do you not recant your books and the errors which they contain? He was challenged. And what did he say? He said, unless I'm convicted by Scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of popes and councils, for they have contradicted each other. He said, my conscience is captive to the word of God. Where our conscience ought to be captive, dear believer. I cannot and will not declare or recant anything. For to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. God, help me. What a stand he took. Would that stand cost his life? Would that stand end his ministry? He did not know. God took care of him. But others did die. And gave their lives in the plan and in the will of God. We're thrilled by his words. We endeavour to stand where he stood. He called God's infallible word eh, the rule. And the rule of faith and practice. And every corruption of biblical Christianity begins by compromising that principle. The word of God being infallible and being our rule of faith and practice. And if we are to move away and to twist and corrupt the gospel of Christ, we must move away from it being the only rule of faith and practice. We must deny that principle. We must, in our own minds, destroy that truth so we can move on and change the gospel to whatever we want it to be. Oh, that we would... We would not add to Scripture. We would not take away from Scripture. We would believe it. We would stand for it. Luther met the opposition of men, but he stood for the truth. He contended for the faith. That's where we are to stand. As individuals and as the church of Christ, standing against persecution, standing against opposition, standing against the mockery of men, Do we love the gospel so much that we would do that? And we need such men today who are unashamed of the gospel. There are many churches that seek that ecumenical path toward the Roman Catholic Church. Not only churches, but there are organizations that want to ignore or reverse or pretend that the Reformation never happened. Many seek to bring peace between religions and bring a peaceful coexistence. We should desire peace, not a theological peace, not an evangelistic peace that cries out, I have my faith and you have yours, and let's not argue about that and be friends. We should desire a peace between each other. In other words, if you believe in atheism and I believe in Christianity, I'm not going to go and kick you out of the neighborhood. I'm going to show love and grace and kindness to you. But I'm not going to agree with what you believe. And I'm not going to stand by quietly when there's opportunities to discuss that or to preach against that. We're not to have a theological peace or an evangelistic peace. One will have the truth and one will not. Or both may need the truth. You see, if we believe the truth, we believe what God has said in His Word, then there must be that desire within us to stand unashamedly for that truth. We believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by Him. And we believe it. We must declare it. We must stand for it. Believer, do you desire to stand for today? The Reformation challenges us. It challenges our hearts about the truth of God. Do we love it so much that we would give our lives for it? That we would face willingly persecution for it? We love it so much that we're not going to sit at peace with those who spread a religion that is false. We will do what we can by the grace of God and love and mercy and grace to preach and stand for that truth. May God enable us to do so. May each of us know and discover that truth Luther rediscovered, a truth that changed his life, that changed his heart. And may we love and abide by it. May the Lord bless his word tonight, for his name's sake. Amen. And Let us pray. Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank thee for thy goodness and grace toward us. We thank thee for thy word that reminds us of the importance of contending for the faith, the importance of salvation, of the importance, O God, of buying the truth and selling it not. And we thank thee that the reformers bought the truth and they did not sell it. Father, may we, each one of us, buy the truth of the gospel and sell it not. May we glorify thy name and standing for thee. Challenge our hearts, we pray. We realize that this is what we need in this day and generation. Father, we pray for men who are not ashamed, men in the mold of these old reformers who will not flinch when faced by the foe, who will stand firm for the gospel of Christ. Father, we pray that we, as thy people, would be thankful for men who stood fast in days gone by for the great truths of the Reformation, the great truths of thy gospel. May we treasure it, may we love it, may we believe it. And we pray, Father, that I would bless our fellowship, accept our thanks for these good things provided, bless this food to us, and our fellowship may it be to thy honor and to thy glory. Part us with thy blessing. And may the love of God our Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit rest, remain, and abide with us both now and forevermore. Amen.